Ladies and gentlemen, I am Sam the SLB, and alongside me today is the man behind the Twitter, the other half of this operation, Vince McMahon's voice of reason, the Nostradamus of professional wrestling, Scott. And alongside him as well, our latest edition of the podcast, the man of many numbers, is John the Lamp Statman. We are coming to you from Above the Ring, Shipit Studios, premier wrestling podcast, covering all things from AEW WWE Worldwide on Monday morning. Turner time. Hey, guys, how is it going? We're, uh, you know, middle of October here. We're going, you know... Get into November, the you know hefty, hefty month for wrestling. Yeah, it, it it's it's crazy. There's three big events kick off the month with Crown Jewel, and then after that, you got um, full gear. I think my brain just died on me. And after that, then you got Survivor <laughs> Series. So it's like there's so much to cover. Oh, there's a whole lot crammed in before the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're gonna go through the we're gonna go through the calendar in just a minute, but don't forget, guys, to check out the Rubber Review NXT Narrative and SmackDown study that drops on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, respectively. We got a little bit of news. We got a lot of wrestling. We got a little uh, theme songs to be talking about. Mm. But going uh, the next two weeks, um, kind of light. Starting on the nineteenth, we have Stardom's New Blood Five. On the twenty-first, we have CMLL's Universal Amazon's Championship. On the 22nd, Scott is looking forward to this. We have Halloween Havoc. And I'll tell you right now, we're going to talk about Extreme Rules for a little bit. But after Extreme Rules, I'm really, really curious about Halloween Havoc. Mm. Let's look at that card quickly while we're talking about that. So far, we have Braun Breaker, Ilya Dragunov, and JD McDonald. Does that sound right? Yeah. Jenny McDonough, okay. but yeah, it's close enough. It's Irish. I was well. like, that's a made-up <laughs> name, but it probably is. <laughs> it is. It For is. the uh, NXT championship, we have Carmelo Hayes, Oro Mensa, Wesley, Von Wagner, and Nathan Frazier in a ladder match for the NXT North American title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade spin the wheel, make a deal, weapons wild match. Julius Creed and Damon Kemp in an ambulance match. Apollo Crews and Grayson Waller spin the wheel, make a deal to be determined mm. and Mandy Rose and Alba fire for the NXT women's title. Mm. Uh, looks like a fire card. And if it's anything like extreme rules, we will be paying attention. Yes. Um, on the 27th, we have new Japan pro wrestling, New York city. Um, the 27th and 28th for rumble on 44th street. I haven't even looked at this card. Interesting. Um, this is interesting that they're back in New York. I don't know yeah. when the last time they were in the city aside from, uh, I think G one climax. Right. On the 28th, we also have CMLL's International Women's Grand Prix. And then on the 30th, MLW's Fight Land. So that's the rest of October for all of you. Scott, this just, I just had this, I didn't realize our our next show will be dropping on Halloween. I know. I know. That's true. Oh, man. So, you know, just uh, a, a spooky edition of Above the Ring. I like it. I like it. We're going to have to put it in a. Uh, you know, Papa Shango vision, you know? Yes. <laughs> but next couple of weeks uh, will be a lot of fun. We'll probably have a special episode of um, Above the Ring for you guys. Uh, going to some quick news stories. I don't have this article particularly pulled up, but this one was fascinating and it might turn the, uh, it might sway the tide with everything going on right now with the um, post-media scrum. Um, as we know, it's all on hold currently for there are actual legal battles that are sound like going to be uh, getting underway with what had happened. Yep. But one of the things that dropped this week was CM Punk actually was 
in the office. He had an office gig in regards to all this. So he wasn't just a talent, you know, aside from the few people we know, uh, talent wise, a few people that we see on the back end, like, you know, you know, Dee Malenko and Jerry Lynn. Uh, I didn't know how many people are involved management wise or corporate wise. I don't know how you want to approach that. Right. Uh, but knowing that CM Punk was in the office, he wasn't just a talent that they wanted, uh, makes this whole thing really interesting. Mm. Well, it also complicates it a lot more, too, I think, because, well, first off, Tony Khan kind of spilled the beans on this, like on the fact that CM Punk had an office job. He was in an, he was in an interview with uh, uh, Ariel Hawani uh, mm-hmm. on his show, and it was one of the last things he said. Like, I, I have a quote here, and it was the last bit that uh, he said to him, and it said, and of course, even people who are working in office jobs like Kenny Omega the Young Bucks, and CM Punk. Hmm. And that you draw an eyebrow there, like, wait a minute, we didn't even know CM Punk. Was he an EVP like these, like the other guys? Where, like, what, what exactly did he do? And it makes it more interesting, the fact that his remarks at the media scrum, when he was, when he was going off on, on these guys, he, there was one line I remember him saying in the media scrum where he's like, I'm trying to run up, fucking business here and you got to think is that what he was referring to like i mean it all it all makes more sense now that you know we know he has an office job so yeah and it makes it and it makes it more complicated too because you know most pretty much all wrestlers are independent contractors so like if these guys have these evp titles like they're pretty much that that considers them employees of aew right and that makes the legal issues on the oncoming legal issues. It'll be interesting. Mm. Like we see what happens. Yeah. Um, and in lieu of all that, with everything going on, the three people that have, it sounds like, I don't, I don't know where I read if it was what culture where pretty much the three uh, backstage uh, coaches at this point, it's Jericho, it's Moxley. And who's the third one? XWWE. Was it Ka- uh, Claudio? Probably Brian oh, no, Danielson. Brian Danielson, yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you have again ex WWE guys, you know, guys who weren't just there for you know oh, a blink, you know, trying to keep the locker room in check. And I think they're probably, especially Jericho, you know, that man has been he fucking worked for WCW. <laughs> you know, ECW, WWE, you know, he he knows the business probably more than most talent does on that roster. Maybe not like next to Dustin or Sting, but he might be the more he might know a lot more. So hopefully that helps. However, well, we got another you, issue. You talk about, keep, you talk about keeping the peace and that segues into the next yeah, backstage the whole... fiasco in AEW. John, <laughs> you have that pulled up. Do you have the whole Sammy thing pulled up? Yeah. I mean, I, he kind of, he, I have here because over the like three days ago, you know, how Sammy does his vlogs or whatever he does. He didn't really comment on the incident, but pretty much what happened here is that S- Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo got into a Twitter beef, pretty much. So what happened was that Andrade mentioned on some interview he was doing, you know, wrestlers just can do interviews with anybody, say anything these days. So, but Andrade didn't even say anything too harsh. He said that, you know, of all the people he's worked with, he mentioned that Sammy Sammy complained that 
Andrade was hitting him too hard or working him too hard in a match or something. So that's, that's all he really mentioned. And that's when Sammy chimed in on Twitter and said all a bunch of stuff like uh, to him. And then, and then Andrade responded to that. And it was like, you, you could probably find the tweets. Uh, I mean, I won't, I won't sound off on each tweet here, but, and then that led into, you know, that, that Wednesday's dynamite where it was like, Oh, see you on Wednesday. You know, I'll see you on Wednesday. Kind of. Well, and then Andrade didn't, didn't even show. Well, no, he did. They he sent did. Andrade, they sent Andrade home. Yeah. Because apparently he, he was the aggressor and we saw Sammy Sam, they, they booed the crap out of Sammy. Oh God. That, that, that episode of dynamite. And <laughs> you know, it, it raises a lot of eyebrows because we saw him in the main event with uh, Chris Jericho uh, as his partner. I, I forget who they were facing. I think it was Brian Danielson uh, and somebody yeah, else. And Daniel Garcia. Yeah. Yep. And Daniel Garcia. And, and Sammy scored the pinfall. Right. Oh my God. That crowd was just like incensed. And of course, all of us thought that Sammy was the aggressor in this whole thing. And, uh, but you know, it ends up being Andrade. Andrade is clearly, at least from what I can gather, he's trying to get himself fired so he can go back to WWE. And, and, and Tony's like, no, we'll just send you home. You could stay there. So whatever. Yeah. You got to think what would you got to think what Tony Khan thinks in this situation because like he did. It seems like he did straight up tell him, "Hey, we're we're not going to fire you. Yeah. If you do, if you, we're not going to fire you if you do something on purpose. We're just gonna we're just gonna send you home." Yeah. Yeah, and I think. So what do you do? When, what do you do if you're in his position when you have you potentially have some talent where they might be frustrated with the current situation in AEW that maybe want to go back to WWE? What do you do uh, if you're a Tony Khan? I would probably. Look, I send think- them home and keep them off TV, but still pay. I mean, you still have to pay them because they're under contract. But Well, I think there's a lot of things in play here. Now, there's a lot of things we can talk about. First and foremost, what I would do, we're not even talking before. We're talking about damage control. First and foremost, I would purposely, and again, I know we were shitting on Vince for a while, but we will talk about, you know, good, you know, the, the, the positive McMahonisms. I would put something in place saying, because we barely heard about shit that happened behind the scenes, good or bad, unless somebody got released. And even still, things were very, you know, obviously there was the Mickey James thing. I don't think that was necessarily Vince. I think that was probably more like, uh, who knows, Kevin Dunn or somebody else in the office. But I would be like, look, we're going to put some kind of clause you're going to sign, some social media clause. I don't even know how you word it, whether it be, you know, it could be, personal beef with other people like at some something about displaying stuff on social media how you will be fined for it how you can be if it's not related to the show you'll be fined for it you can be you lose tv time whatever because i think that's at least with again vince how often do you ever see somebody on social media say shit like this and start fights with people it was always story related right yeah mm-hmm. yeah they they i mean there could have been some stuff there there could have been some personal stuff kind of tied into it but it was never as blatant as it has been when it comes to the guys with aew it's it's been i'm not gonna lie being on twitter reading all this stuff is is very entertaining and it could be a wonderful storyline but the problem is it's not a storyline this shit's real and it's just it's it, it out seems, of control 
and it seems like AEW has this unhealthy way of turning real, real things, real stuff like this into their storylines, which is not a good. That's a bad. Not a good, that's just not a good practice. Yeah, that's, that's a bad. That's a bad Vinceism. <laughs> Vince, Vince too, also was uh, guilty of doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> Edge and Matt Hardy. Uh, or like Jeff Hardy yeah. drinking or, you know, yes. um, uh, road, was it ro- uh, Road Warrior? Uh, one of the Road Warriors had alcohol or drug problems and they made yep. that a storyline in the 90s. But I would I would put some claws in, you know, social media related. If it's, you know, not story related or not pre, like something some worded in a way where they have free reign of their social media. But if it comes to business and sh- you post something like this, whether it be an Andrade, whether it be Sammy, and this, honestly, this goes for anything. I'll tell you right now. Being a 31-year-old, when I see people my age or even older, fuck, even younger, and they post stuff like this, I'm like, bro, you look like a – social media is there. And again, we can talk about the toxicity of social media. It's there, but you look like a, you look like a shithead. Yep, yep. I don't care who you are. Well, once, so, once it's on the internet, it's there forever. End of story. So that's – John, to answer that, th- my first thing would be damage control. And going forward, we have this clause. You're going to sign it. If you do something like this, you will be fine. You will lose TV time. You will whatever. Mm-hmm. Sign it to make sure this doesn't happen. Obviously, then you go into, okay, so from a PR perspective, because that's the thing. Tony needs to go, dude, they're fucking with my business. Yep. Yeah. That's overall. Yeah. If we had this podcast and somebody started – it was one of us just started posting something – I'd be like, you know, one of us or, you know, the same person would be like, you're fucking with our business. No. So step one, step two, obviously you want more control in the locker room. You want to make sure that talent, well, again, we're not even talking about, you know, how Tony handles Ring of Honor and whatnot. No, he, you just need to start like fucking, like get a sheepdog for the, for in a sense, get a sheepdog, rattle everybody up. This is how things are going. You got to be within these parameters. You are free to do whatever you want in the ring. You know, you know, your promos, you have a lot of character creativity. But stuff like this is a no. And we have a no mm-hmm. bullshit policy on this. Need to bring back wrestlers court. Yes. And, and with, Andra- with Andrade, I would even be <sighs> something I think he could improve on. I th- <sighs> and it is a contract. So you can look at this either way. Andrade signed a contract. I don't know how long his contract's for. Scott, John, I don't know. Oh if my God. I think, I think it's like five years or something. Yeah. So if you signed yeah. a contract like that, <sighs> I mean, you should definitely, I mean, it's a contract. It's doc. It's legal documentation. Yep. However, if it doesn't work out, and again, we've seen it before. It's like, hey, you know, this isn't working out the way. Would you be willing to, you know? And Tony could be the reasonable guy. He's like, we can look at this. And he does have to say, if he says no, if he says no, he's in the right. Let's keep that in mind. If Tony doesn't want to release somebody, he has absolutely no reason. It's legal. Yep. I know a lot of people are like, well, he's not being right. Yeah, yeah. But he signed documentation, a binding contract. This is, this is the toxicity of the wrestling community. We talk about, you know, WWE wrestlers, you know, not getting their releases. Why won't they just release them? Yeah, that'd be great. And we've probably even talked about it. But at the same time, it is a legal document. Yep. If I sign a contract to work for somebody for two years, unless there's something in that contract otherwise that lets me walk away from it, then you're legally binding to it. Yep. So- just trying to bring everyone who listens to this podcast, if you are a little more emotionally involved with this, down to a rational level. Calm down. It's okay. It's okay. We all love you. <laughs> we all, we all need hugs sometimes. <laughs> Let's talk about some positive things. Some great positive things. 
Um, Chris Bay just signed a uh, long-term contract with Impact. Beautiful. You know, he was the first official Impact roster member to be part of the Bullet Club. He's a great talent. Good for him. Uh, Bound for Glory just happened. Uh, a lot of cool things came out of there. Um, my understanding is Frankie Kazarian dropped the Impact title that he won yep. in order for, um, I think he gets a, an automatic title shot yep. for the Impact World title. The yeah, good old option, option C. Option, option C. Yep. Yep. So that's kind of cool. You know, good old Frankie, good for him. Guy gets underutilized. I just uh, love the man. Yeah. Speaking of signees, this was a shocker. Okay. I don't want to say shocker, but also it's something that we've all talked about for a long time and it came out of nowhere, but rightfully so. Renee Paquette, you know, the wife of John Moxley, former WWE commentator, interviewer, mm-hmm. backstage uh, associate, signed with AEW. It's about damn time, seriously. And you know, I, I hate the I hate the crap on the rest of the backstage guys, but on Dynamite and Rampage, like she was just like just fires, everything's great. I'm like, I right. like thank you. This is perfect. This is all I wanted. Yeah, no, no. I think she brings she brings yeah, she definitely as far as the backstage aspect of AEW, she brings some more credibility there more because more professionalism, like uh, you you get tired of seeing somebody like Alex Marvez back there all the time. You don't want to hear Alex Marvez talk like this for the next like yeah. uh, two minutes during an interview. I'm like, no, I want to. I want to see Renee backstage. So, what I've always liked about Renee, you know, over over the years, they've always been, you know, um, you know, women to interview and you know commentate here and there. For me, Renee really is like the standard. She's really. She's not just there here, answer these, you know, ask them these questions. Renee really is really involved. She's just as involved with it as like the guys are when it comes to commentating an interview. Her and Beth Phoenix, awesome commentary, awesome interviewers. Like she hopefully can set a standard and she's great on the mic. Yeah. It's nice to see them be a little more invested in what they're talking about or who they're talking with. Unlike some people, like, 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 like they keep bringing up Marvez, but he just, asks a question like he doesn't really seem like he he particularly cares he just wants an answer but you have people like Mm -hmm. renee you have people like kayla braxton on smackdown like they really genuinely get into the interviews and and stuff like that so it's just i think for me we talk about female uh interviewees or commentators beth also as well those three i would say are for me top tier i think it was a matter of time too since john moxley is one of the more more most notable people in AEW. So I think I think they had a child in between over the last couple of years. I think she after being with WWE for as long as well, as long as she did, she kind of needed to pump the brakes and do a few other things. And now it's like, all right, yeah, now now I can come now I can come back to professional wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Especially John signing the uh the extension, the uh was it the three three five year contract? Oh my god, yeah. five years. Five years. She also has something for five years too. Now we talk about talent, and I'm gonna we're gonna jump back to every, all the good things WWE is doing right now. From all the other talent wanting to go elsewhere and go back to WWE because now you know with Triple H and I don't know if he had a bad relationship with more than Vince because now he's just like because you know everyone's like oh I want to go back there and they're doing all these cool things he's just like five year contract AEW. Yep. He was yeah, I think he's... the first one to do to pretty much be like. This is my home. Yeah. I built this. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, they, they joke around about the pillars of AEW. He seriously, he is one. Like he is a cornerstone of this company now. 
And him signing this five-year contract extension just further cements that. Uh, he, I know he's the first ever three-time, you know, AEW heavyweight champion. Now, honestly, he should only be a two-time, but we're not going to talk about the CM Punk fiasco with that whole title change, whatever. Um, but, like, he's there for long-term now. He can finish his career there. He doesn't have to go back to WWE. Honestly, at some point, I, I can see him returning. Maybe Hall for... Yeah, well, before that, even, I think he might have one final go, you know, for the main event type of thing. I don't know. Who knows? But at some point, the Shield will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He'll be there as well. So, and I don't know. I don't know if they'll all get singles stuff, but eventually, I think maybe the majority of his wrestling career will be in AEW. And then maybe the tail end, probably how Jericho will do the same. They'll go back over to WWE, do a thing, and then retire. Well, another also... Interesting note with I think with John Moxley's contract is because over the last few over the last few years he's been there would be some times where he would go off to do something with uh with GCW yeah really quick like work with something work some crazy match with like Nick Gage or something something like that something just just totally ridiculous now he can't. Yeah, Tony's been pulling back that. from what I read that he doesn't want his wrestlers working for GCW anymore. I'm like, well, that well, I understand that aspect, especially since this man is your world champion, and you know the fact that Warner Warner and Discovery chimed in for episodes of Dynamite saying, "Hey, ease up on the swearing, ease up on the blood and violence and all that." You don't want your world champion going off to a promotion that specifically does all of these things. Correct. Right. You know? like, like when Sam and I went to um, uh, Double or Nothing, we went to a GCW show, our first one there. In one match, there was literally somebody slicing somebody up with a knife, like across the chest. I was like, what, just, what are we watching? It was insane. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It was fun. And it, the place was packed. Oh, my God. And I'm going to I'm going to say something. Look, it's not for everybody. There's no. a reason why. Right. Mm. ECW did not win the you know the Monday Night Wars did not win the Attitude Era did not win whatever you want to call it. I enjoy a lot of the hardcore stuff, but if I was a father, I would not be going, "Hey, Sammy J, six years old, we're gonna go see a GCW show." That's not where we're starting him at, right? No, but and there were kids in that crowd too, Sam. They were going insane. You and I looking at each other, going, "What the." I remember it was, called, what was it? They had they had they opened up with um like a it's like a like a, a battle royale, but it's like a scramble with it's like seven or eight people. And yeah. I'm not looking, I'm like looking at my phone quickly, and Scott like grabs it, goes boom, and then the wrestlers like going like literally right uh-huh. by us. So John, when we get a chance, we're gonna have to pull up, uh downward spiral. Yes. Jo- Scott and I were in the front for like most of that. Oh boy. And where they fought, <laughs> we were like right there. Funny. <laughs> so, it, was, um, it was nuts. So, yeah, great for Renee, great for John. Those are the, the those two people to me. Say, okay, if we're gonna keep that, they're they're here a long time. John's one of the you know backstage coaches. He's gonna be one of the mentors. He's gonna be somebody who has a say. You know, he's he's been on the top. He's been in WWE. He's wrestled at WrestleMania. He was in us. You know, he's he's done it all. So gives me some promise, but I'm glad Renee's in. We're going to talk about her when we get to the weekly stuff. But we want to go over, this is a shock, mostly WWE news. I didn't get to watch it live. However, Scott did. 
John, did you watch uh, Extreme Rules Live? I did. Let me tell you, that is, that was one of the best pay-per-views I had seen in a long time from WWE. Like there wasn't, and again, I was in the middle of doing something else too. So I kind of had it on the side, but every time I looked back, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like it was, how do I word this? I felt interested in this product. Like I did with the ruthless aggression stuff as a, you know, when I was like middle school, however, it was toned down, but it was still like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I haven't watched a pay-per-view from WWE this good in a long time from like since like that era for me. And again, there's a window I've lost because I don't watch wrestling for a period of time where it felt like that, but it also didn't feel like that. Like it was like, okay, I feel like this isn't, you know, stuff I remember seeing as a kid, but also it's cleaned up, toned up. It's not as, you know, it's not violent, violent. Granted, they kicked the shit out of each other in these matches. <laughs> they did. I mean, the the, paper, or the premium live event was what it was. It was uh, extreme rules. Like the last few years, especially with Vince being in charge, they would have one extreme rules match and the rest would be mm. normal matches. Maybe a table match thrown in here once in a while, you know, stuff like that. If but they it, used any of those items either. It, exactly. So it was, it was like a bare bones, show and it was like this could just be a, a raw plus it's really all it really was mm. but this this pay-per-view i'm just gonna call it pay-per-view this was was great there was really no like bathroom break matches as people like to call them and it's a this you were invested in every single match um especially the first one I mean, the, the Donnybrook match between Imperium and the Brawling Brutes. My God, my chest, my back, everything hurt. I had to take some leave because I was in so much pain watching this match because it was just so goddamn physical. I loved it. You know, all the other matches were were, were great. Um, I think for me, my second favorite, uh, I believe I said was Bianca and Bailey. I just liked the ladder match aspect. I liked what they did. It was the first ladder match ever for a women's title, which oh. I thought was surprising i didn't expect that i thought they'd have one by now but apparently they didn't whatever but obviously everybody's talking about the end you get the return that everybody was waiting for triple h pulled the the credits like he did in nxt where that i saw that that icon pop up on the sides i'm like wait the white rabbit hasn't come out yet what's going on i'm like wait triple h is doing it again isn't he and sure enough Riddle's celebrating with with uh, Cormier, and then all of a sudden the lights go out. The cell phones come on. The crowd explodes. And then we hear that he's got the whole world in his hands, and like I could just I could feel the emotion coming out of the screen. It was oh my god! And I'm then getting pins and needles with you explaining it again. Seriously, like I am too. Like I'm getting chills just talking about it. Like uh, the millions upon millions upon millions of views that this that his entrance got in within the 24 hours i believe it it was north of 10 mil it was insane how how much people watched this the the pop when the door opened and he walked out with the lantern and then took off the the rabbit uh the mask it brought me back to the attitude era when stone cold would come out the pop sound like i had my volume on 12 i had to turn it down to like 8 because I thought I was going to wake my neighbors up because it was that loud. It was insane. And just like the man said, I'm here and blew out the lantern. You couldn't hear him say it. They had to amplify his sound on, yeah. on the video when I watched it back. 
They also they also bleeped out the holy shit, which was I thought was really stupid. I'm like, just let them do it. I understand kids are watching, but God damn it, this is a moment. You don't want to ruin it with doing that. But whatever, that's my gripe. But watching it live, oh my god, I I haven't felt that emotionally invested in this product in a long time, and it just yeah, it was it was amazing. I loved it. It definitely showed that the build up to it with all the white rabbit, white rabbit stuff. Oh my god, over. I don't even know how many weeks it felt like a long time. It was probably at least like a month. It was, yeah, it was, so. I, I believe it was roughly a month. Um, and I loved how within like five minutes of like a QR code would show up or a random, you know, something on, on the team, on the screen, the internet, like the wrestling community, this is what the wrestling community should always be for. Like they banded together, finding all this information, doing all the searches, dissecting every little small thing to give us an idea of possibly who it was. And obviously everybody jumped on it being Bray. I was, I was one of the first as well to think, Oh my God, I hope this is Bray because you know, I I've been saying since they released him that that was the biggest wrong that WWE's had recently when it comes to releasing talent. And then he comes back. I, everybody, I couldn't really find a negative thing at all on Twitter. How, how, how happy and excited people were that he was back except for the hardcore AEW fans. I take that back. They, they were like, Oh, he's not that good. Anyways. Like, okay, whatever. Go, go cry. Everybody else is excited. Yeah. So the card was incredible. He's back. And I know there was some other things, you know, he came out, I think on SmackDown this past week. Yes. Uh, gave a promo. I watched the SmackDown before and I was like, because you said, Hey, you got to watch SmackDown. I'm like, Oh, you know, because I've been like, okay. Yeah. I still, I've been so busy. Yeah. I still need to watch raw because I'm like, after watching SmackDown, then extreme rules. I'm like, I got to, I got to get back on the bandwagon. Yeah. The raw, so, the raw after Extreme Rules is pretty good. Um, but you talk about the SmackDown. Um, Bray did a promo. Well, not actually. I don't even know if you want to call it a, a real promo at the end. Like he came out and he was, he was Wyndham Rotunda. He wasn't Bray Wyatt. He wasn't the Fiend. He wasn't. You no, know, he was just. He came out and had this super emotional just conversation with the crowd, talking about how. You know, like he felt like he'd lost his way. Uh, he lost his career. He lost his livelihood. He lost his, you know, he lost two very important people in his life. You know, and, and he thought that the crowd, you know, would forget about him and that nobody would love him and anything else. And then he's like, I was completely wrong. Like coming back from you know, extreme rules and being out there tonight, like you could see Bray basically crying in the ring. And it was just like, stop it. No, I no feel no feelings. No, don't do it. And then. There was the interruption at the end where the lights went out and then the white rabbit came up on the TV on the Titan Tron and basically had this not really a riddle, but like just basically telling Bray that he's he's done like he there's nothing left to him and that the white rabbit's going to take over. So now people are all like, oh, the you know, because his, his Twitter handles Wyndham six. So now everybody's thinking that maybe the Wyndham six are the six different ghosts of his past including himself so yeah so yeah i don't know it, it's just it's it's still a, a very fresh thing and, and people are dissecting every single piece of it and it's it's great to read on online i, I just i can't wait till next week he's also exclusively going to be on smackdown so now it's like good every friday something new is going to happen with bray i'm ready for it let's go it's a slow build to 
getting him back. I mean, no pun intended, like <laughs> with the ropes, I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's something along those lines, but yeah, it, it, even with the white rabbit stuff, it was a, it was a slow build to this big pop. So I think they're, they're doing that again, character wise for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I, I'm very excited again for this product. So it's, I didn't think I would be, you know, after, you know, sometimes it takes a while for, sh- you know, stuff to come back. Right. I mean, and again, we'll always, I will, we, I don't want to care, compare this in a bad way because I know the attitude of uh, the attitude error always comes up, the money net award always comes up. Right. But how long, Scott, somebody who probably watched it live, how long did it take WWE to go from the mediocre product to the dude, fuck WCW, fuck Nitro? I would say the real changeover really started to happen when Steve Austin won the King of the Ring because the following Monday, all the Austin 316 signs started, and then Vince realized, oh, okay, this could be something. And then they just started getting edgier and edgier, and and then eventually they they took over. You know, the ratings were over for WCW. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I don't want to say like, oh, it was an overnight thing, but the ball really started rolling overnight from that night on, and then it just picked up momentum as it went. Yeah, but you know, even we talk about like, you know, you talk about that. Okay, with Steve Austin, you know. The Rock wasn't even in the company till like another six months later, and he had to go through the whole Rocky Maivia thing. Right. You know, DX, you know, Triple H at this point, I think the curtain, he was probably being jobbed, you know, during that 96. Yeah. And then he probably had, obviously, Shawn Michaels, who was probably, you know, the dominant force of that company. Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, 96, you're probably looking at the period where... um was Mabel still with the con, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I'm also thinking yeah. about, Yeah. you know, so it still was a long, you know, that was what June 96. Yes. Yeah, so it was in the, yeah, it was in the uh, late spring, early summer. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, yeah, that was when the ball rolled, but when things really kind of took over, honestly, and, and I love how uh, I love to bring this up, but for me as a fan, I was a WCW guy at the beginning. Like I, I would watch raw, but it would be only when WCW was on commercial. So, I mean, I'd read everything online and talk to people at school about it and stuff like that. But the one moment for me that really kind of switched things over is when Mick Foley won the WWE champion or WWF championship in Worcester. The whole that'll put butts in the seat comment by Tony Schiavone. I would said, oh, my God, Mankind's going to win. I want to watch that. And then watching it, how that whole thing developed. And then after that, for me, WCW was in the back bar. I was all WWE after that. And a lot of people did too. <laughs> and that's that was a big swing on um when WWE would start winning again. Yeah. And like I said, like this this was quick. This this was like I mean, they had the talent. They we already knew what the talent could do because of NXT. I think it was just Triple H executing what he wanted to do. Which we're gonna go back to Monday. We're gonna talk about Raw quickly. We had a couple of little things happen on Raw. Yeah. Well, one thing in particular that sprinkled a little further out. AJ Styles had some friends of his join. We have the Good Brothers in WWE. They are back. Yes. <laughs> they said they would never return. I never. know. And it's funny oh, because <laughs> Carl Anderson went and deleted that tweet when he said he would never come back. And I'm like, ha, the internet caught you, sir. <laughs> oh, they came back, yeah. And what makes it crazier, it's not so much that, but he still is, he still is a New Japan champion. He's the never open weight champion. Yep. And they still have obligations over in Japan. 
Correct. They and, yep. and they're going to be allowed to wrestle until well, not until, but their commitments are until Wrestle Kingdom. So they'll still be able to go back over there. But yeah, it's it's a lot of people expected this to happen, but they never thought it would because of how how Carl Anderson especially felt, you know, after they left. But the Good Brothers are back. The you know the 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 original club is back, and now it's the club versus the Judgment Day. And yeah, I feel bad for Judgment Day because they just started getting some momentum, and now they're going to get destroyed by the by the OC. So I feel like that was probably incentive for them to come back. Was like maybe maybe Carl Anderson was had said, well, I, I kind of want to finish up this thing with New Japan uh, really quick, and Triple H was probably like, sure, that's fine. I mean, that's probably not something Vince would have ever said yes no. to. <laughs> no, God, no. Yeah. The only thing that we knew that rumored had was that Brian Danielson wanted to go work in Japan. And that was the only thing that had been rumored to have almost happened. Right. But now we have this, obviously, we're told Mickey James come out with the Impact title. And that was under, remember, Vince was still running that show there. Yep. Yeah. So who knows what other options or what what else we're gonna see? And again, you know, Scott pointed out New Japan even retweeted it. Yeah, that was that was insane in its own. I was like, wait, what? No, no, this 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 can't be from the official New Japan site. Holy shit, it was okay. <laughs> and it's great because Michael Cole at SmackDown dropping like indie feds like it's you know like it's candy. It's like like what is going on? Like I've been I've watched wrestling for thirty years with Vince, and it, you never heard another company ever. And now Cole and even like Corey Graves, they're dropping them every single show. And it's just like, oh, this is so good. It, uh, it's just, it's nice that they're actually being like, hey, you know, there is stuff outside of us. So, yeah. Yeah. So that goes to our uh, little last news, but we probably missed some stuff, but it's been a long couple of weeks. New Japan just recently announced a new title, which, uh, I mean, we could talk about the ins and outs of like, well, they just got rid of the IC title. Whatever, but they recently announced a world television title. Tournament began on Friday, which was the 13th. No, the 14th. Sorry, for some reason, I thought it was Sunday. We used to record on Sundays. <laughs> That's where I'm at today. Um, <laughs> each match will have a 15 minute time limit, which is kind of cool, you know, keeping it low key, being like, okay, this is a belt, but this is this is not like. The biggest belt, you know, you know, they, they get their time. This is your time limit. You don't get the full hour. You get 15 minutes. Right. Um, which is nice. If the match reaches that limit, a coin flip will decide the winner. That's a weird thing. Oh, especially yeah. for New Japan. I don't know uh, if I like that. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully it's something that they'll change down the road because that's weird. That's just like, oh, you both are really good. Hey, you get the belt. You picked heads. It's heads. <laughs> um, so so far, the first few matches have happened. I haven't pulled up the bracket yet. Um, the semifinals will take place at Battle Autumn in Osaka on uh, November 5th. And then, of course, the finals, the most important show of the year outside of WWE at the Tokyo Dome on the 4th of January. Of course. Good old Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom. That's right. We're on the road to Wrestle Kingdom very shortly. We're getting there. I know... So good. So far, we already got Jay White and uh, Okada announced for the main event again. Mm. So, how do you not have a main event with Okada? Like, I think Okada, and I had had to do some research. I think Okada is starting to push to be the person who's main evented this, you know, the the, the Tokyo Dome event more than anyone else. Jeez. 
Now, is that night one, the main event, or is that night two? It says January 4th, yes, so it's night one. Okay. So, that being said, let's talk about this week's content. So, for Dynamite, we opened up. Obviously, we had Renee Paquette come out in Toronto. We're in Canada, the first show. It's been three years, and they're in Canada Canada. for the first time. Also, I want to make note, I think at the the day before, or around this week, I had in my Facebook memories from three years ago, where John and I went to the second ever Dynamite taping. Yep. Mm. I will never forget how excited we were when I was able to get us tickets to go to, because you got to remember, we were already talking three years ago, how exciting it was as a new major wrestling company. And I got to, I didn't think I'd get tickets and bought, especially the Northeast. You know how the Northeast is with wrestling. It's as everyone's, it's like the, it's like the diamond of uh, professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, and I got the tickets and I remember being there and the energy at that time was insane. But I just want to bring that up because last uh, week was the anniversary. That was a lot of fun on that show. That was. It's one of the best wrestling shows I've been to because of the energy and the card. And, you know, it was a good time. That being said, this show, we won't get crazy. Weird booking. I will say this show mm-hmm. was booked a little odd. We'll kick it off. Uh, Luchasaurus took on and defeated um Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. Thought that'd be a pay-per-view match. I didn't think they'd open it up in Canada. Okay. We had War Joe in action, taking on, defeating uh, the factory, Nick Camarado and QD Marshall. We had Daddy Ass himself, Billy Gunn, taking on and putting over Swerve Strickland. Mm. Not the route I would go, but I understand, you know, he is Billy Gunn. He doesn't need the wins. Right. You know, he's not, he is not the tag team. Let's keep this in mind. He's not the tag team. Right. Good to put Swerve over. Mm. Well, I mean, they're, they're pushing sort of as the heel, you know, recently. And it's it's funny. We'll talk about it when we get the Rampage. But uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Keith Lee had, had something to say about that, too. So mm-hmm. next up we had and this is where the card, I think, even gets weirder. So the first half of the show, I'm like, OK, whatever. We can hold off the, the book and sure. Not that the card. This is the thing. I didn't think the matches were bad. It was just the way that the show was laid out. Yeah. Um, the Ring of Honor World Championship match kicked off the top actually it wasn't even the top it was like 9 10 when this match started mm-hmm. chris jericho and brian danielson where jericho defeats danielson by assistance from daniel garcia to retain tony storm and hikaru shida and her return taking on defeating uh Britt baker and jamie hater and then the all-atlantic title orange cassidy taking on Pac. with orange cassidy getting the w not again. It's uh, I'm going to point something out and I think you two are going to know what I was thinking. And hopefully it's not the same sentiment, but I'm sitting here. I'm like, there's no way they're going to let Pac lose a very important title that they've thrown on him to somebody. Not it, the orange tap. Cassie's really talented. It's a little different, I guess here. All I could think of was the cruiserweight belt when he dropped it to Enzo. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind of kind the of. same vibes here. A little bit, but you got to think about the in- if you were to take the in-ring talent between en- Enzo should have stayed a manager. We'll sit sit there. Orange Cassidy, yeah, he can do the silly slow stuff, but he is also proven to be really talented in the ring. I really didn't hate any of the matches. I wouldn't say none of them were really stuck out, but the card. I think the way it was booked, it just felt like it was all over the place. And maybe they maybe they booked this at the end because Orange Cassidy was winning the title for the first time. Maybe this was more about Orange than the layout of the. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think about. And it's the only way I could justify it. With yeah. all the confetti and stuff, that's that seemed to be what they what they had planned all along. I mean, if they wanted to, to do it that way, then they should have put the ROH championship first. 
don't have a title in the match in the middle of especially ones that's supposed to be as prestigious as ROH, but it is the opener. You could have had a really good match between Danielson and, and Jericho. You could have had the big the big swerve that everybody saw coming with 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 Daniel Garcia, <laughs> and then kind of just lead into the rest. You could have had Luchasaurus and, and um, Jungle Boy be the mid match, uh, the mid show match. That still would have been great. That would have been the the, the the main event of the nine o'clock hour, you know, it's but whatever. Yeah, it was just it was just it was weirdly booked. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. John thoughts. I actually wonder if the uh, statistics on the viewership of this week's dynamite have been up because I, I'm kind of interested to see if there was, you know, any dips or anything after the Ring of Honor World Championship match, which was pretty much right at the pretty much at the nine o'clock hour. Just about. So, yeah, I, th- I remember us thinking in our heads, like, what the heck is going on here? Like, I even asked Scott, I was like, what's the main event of yeah. this? Like, what, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was hard. Like, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, this card sucks. You know, the card was actually super exciting going into it. Also, minor note, we had the epic return of Sean Spears. Yes. Um, right. came out didn't see that coming either but no. was actually excited you know again i always think about how how much energy he gave when he was ty dillinger in wwe mm-hmm. and he's kind of i don't want to say floundered um with AEW for a while but hopefully this is kind of bringing him up and maybe pushing him towards the ring of honor end of things i hope so i think he'd be a great fit uh, in roh if they ever decide to make them an actual brand <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, I, I didn't even actually think of that. That's, that's, yeah, that's good. And I love how, you know, he's, he's a face again now. So obviously they're in Toronto, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to push him to be a face. So yeah. it's going to be good stuff. We'll talk more about that when we get, when we get to de- rampage, we're going to hop over to impact. This was the fallout of from bound for, for glory. Bound for glory yep. Uh, most of machine guns took on and defeated Raj Singh and Shira. Wait, oh, no, was that before the impact? I think it was before the impact. They didn't. Yep, that was before the impact. It sounds like, so starting this off, from my understanding, Josh Alexander came out, and I think Bully Ray had come out at the end of Bound for Glory. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he was part He was part of that shot, uh, take your shot. Oh, he won that. And he won it, yeah, which the crowd was, the crowd and, and the internet were not happy about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Killer Kelly and Tasha Steele. No, Killer Kelly took on Tasha Steele and defeated her. Via DQ, uh, Trey Miguel defeated Alex Zane, Black Taurus, Laredo Kid, Yuya Yamura, and Kenny King. VXT, Deanna Peraza and Chelsea Green and Giselle Shaw defeated the Knockouts World Tag Team Champions, the Death Dolls, Ty Vakery, Jessica, and Rosemary. Matt Cardona defeated Upinder Gajar. I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry if I did not. And then the main event, a good thing I tape impact. Josh Alexander took on and defeated Bobby Fish for the world title. So curious. Really curious. Also, good for Josh Alexander. You and I knew when Ethan Page left, he was gonna yep. go to the top. Yep. Rampage, interesting, interesting card. I actually was looking forward to this a little bit, probably more so than Dynamite this week. Honestly, the card looked really good. Mm. Um, Blackpool Combat Club took on Butcher and Blade and defeated them. I forgot that was the opener. Totally forgot about that. Uh Nyla Rose took on and defeated Anna J for her title. I'm, you know what? There was a while we used to talk about Nyla Rose and be like, oh, she's on TV again. Actually, I was looking forward to this, and I'm curious about her and Jade going after each other, fighting for this belt. 
her her new comedic side actually works really well with her like i like you said before like when i was on television it was just like oh here comes the monster she's gonna destroy people and then uh, yep. that's the end of it but now she's comedic uh i love how after she beat anna jas they had the one and oh sign i was like all right okay i'm on board i like this this will be fun um so and, and and in a strange way this turns jade face and the baddies as well so because now they're chasing their championship so that, yeah so now I, I, i'm assuming that they'll collide at the pay-per-view and we'll find out who's going to be the real tbs champion but I, I like this i like this for nyla this is this is probably her her best work already on tv I didn't think Anna J would have been the one to do the do this job though. I thought it would have been somebody maybe, or maybe they were aiming for somebody a little on you know part of like JAS. I guess would make more sense. You know, they're they're the heel. So you know, you think she might get the win here because of who she's with. I don't know. Interesting, interesting way to go about this. Ethan Page, and this is this is interesting for story purposes. Ethan Page took on defeated Isaiah Cassidy. Now Stoli Hathaway has the contracts for a private party and Matt Hardy Yep. with this one. Curious, super curious where this leads. Yeah. The firm has been kind of all over the place ever since they've been brought in. Cause now there's this weird friction between MJF and Stokely Hathaway and happened really quick too. Yeah. And then now the firm's taking over private party and, and Matt Hardy's contracts. And yeah. you just know, they're just going to bury them for, you know, for forever until they're able to fight back and gain their freedom. Uh, but it, yeah, they're kind of all over the place. Like I think that they, <laughs> they need to be reined in a little bit, but you know, that's, that's just my opinion. Yeah. And then the main event, this one was kind of cool. We had the pinnacle of, you know, FTR. Sean Spears coming out to something that Scott said, very similar to his Ty Dillinger entrance. Mm. And he's coming. I love how he's coming out. He's the perfect 10 again. Yes. Now we did the whole thing with the 10, you know, to the crowd. Had the card and everything. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yep. Taking on Brian Cage in the Gates of Agony. Whoever thought we'd be talking Brian Cage in um, AEW again, but I think he's right. more on the Ring of Honor end of things here. And, and that's what. Yes. What's there to say about FTR? Don't really need to get into it. Fun match. Obviously, they get the win. I'm gonna jump. Well, we're gonna jump back to another point in a second. But I think there's a lot of Ring of Honor things happening, and we I, we need something. We really need something now because two things happened on Rampage. First and foremost, at the end of this, the Kingdom came out. Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Maria Kanellis came out. It's amazing. I was I did not see that. You and me were like, you're like, what? Right? Yeah. Didn't see that coming at all. Maria's been in like all five major wrestling promotions now, which is which is outstanding in its own right. And I love how they are going, I believe, specifically for the IWGP titles. Interesting. Yeah. And and um, in addition to the Ring of Honor titles, I, if I remember correctly, I think Maria only talked about the IWGP. I, th- I mean, I could be wrong, but I was just like, okay. oh my God, I can't believe that they're, they're, they're actually here. Obviously, that means Honor No More in Impact Wrestling is, is, is done, which was rumored to be happening anyways. But the fact that now they're on AEW television, this oh. is good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Matt, uh, especially, especially for Mike Bennett. The man's gone through a lot in his life, and it's nice to see him get another shot to actually you know perform well on TV. So mm. I'm Also, New England locals. Woo! Yes. Woo! <laughs> But this is, you know, obviously they're going to go for the titles. War Joe came out at some point. There was just a big brawl. Mm. 
I point this out and I, uh, Tony, need, again, I'm going to say it again. We need to know what's going on with Ring of Honor because now you've brought in, Mike's been there for a while too, but Matt Taven was a staple of ROH for years at ROH. And now he's here. Honor No More is no longer involved with Impact. I also bring this up because somebody interrupted Jericho during his speech. Yes. The man himself, Dalton Castle, and he's challenging for the Ring of Honor title. Mm. So now the Ring of Honor guys are coming. Yeah. And in full force. Yep. We're not getting the dribble. Like, there's a lot of Ring of Honor talent. Tony, I'm going to have to start tweeting him every day. Do it. What's going on with Ring of Honor? What's going on with Ring of Honor? Oh, you What's should. going on? Absolutely should. <laughs> like, He'll probably respond, too. I mean, he's been doing it. So just. Eventually. It. I feel like eventually he would. Even if he said, I know he was good, you know, Warner Media set uh, and encouraged more pay per views, even with Ring of Honor to see, you know, the demand. Hell, even if you give us like, you know, every other month we get a Ring of Honor show, I'll take it. I'll take it for now. I need Ring of Honor content. <laughs> he might just throw at you. I can't comment on that. Hey, it's still a response. <laughs> I will take it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's like, like, I think he was on the Reese, he was on that show with Ariel, like, I forget when over the last week or so or something, literally everything this guy was asking Tony Khan, because I mean, because it was CM Punk, like the elite questions, like a lot, like, not all of it, but like there was definitely those questions in there because people are asking him. Literally every response from him was, I can't comment on that. I can't, I can't, I can't comment on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, there's a lot. I, I'm, I feel like we're close to what we want. I feel, or he's bloating the roster up after everyone wants to release. I don't know. We're, we're hearing a lot of things from his talent that we shouldn't be hearing, but the stuff we want to hear, we're not hearing any of it. I need something. I need to know. I need to know. I know. I don't want Dalton Castle to be on here for one week and then disappear. Right. I mean, him and yeah, the boys you don't are, want the, that. are the trio's champions, so you kind of need them to be, or the six-man, whatever. Yeah, call. they have the six-man tag. Like yeah. they, they, need, they should be on television. Defend those titles. Do it. So I don't know. We'll see what happens in, within the next two weeks. We might we might get something. Crossing fingers, saging the house, praying to God. Maybe he <laughs> takes that. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, Vince McMahon comes over and he runs Ring of Honor for Tony. The world we live in. Uh, I didn't say Bruce. Um, I said McMahon. Yeah. We're going to have to change. We, I, I've said this to you before, Sam. I think we have to change Scott to Tony Khan's voice of reason. <laughs> Vince Mc, if he's Vince McMahon's voice of reason, he's telling Vince which golf course to play at now. It's true. It's true. <laughs> or whatever, point, whatever, whatever, whatever these guys do in retirement. He's probably at the gym. Probably uh, walking out, oh, telling what sets to do next. At like at like two in the morning. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah first fourth <laughs> workout of the day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. This week's question that we had discussed actually came out of nowhere. John, I want you to take the lead on this one because you're the one who brought it up, and I'm kind of curious where this even came about. Yeah, you know, what was going through my mind as I was thinking it, I was thinking of different aspects of professional wrestling. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's matches, titles, and all, the, all these other things. But one of the things that popped into my head, and I don't think it's necessarily overlooked, but definitely something I, I noticed about professional wrestling is the entrance themes. So I had thought in my head, who's the most notable guy that has created 
so many pieces of music that stand out. Let me kill Ingster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, there's definitely him. Jimmy Hart, uh, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then I thought, I thought of a lot of the themes that pop into my head, you know, which we're, which we're going to get into. Um, but I thought of the man, the, the man himself, Mr. Jim Johnson, and it's going to lead into our question that we want to uh, go over for the week, but it's also going to lead into our stat. So I want to ask you guys, all right, how many, how many pieces of music do you think Jim Johnson wrote over his uh, decade long decades, I should say long tenure with uh, WWE. I'm going to throw an outrageous number out there, but that's because you got to like, we talked about, he is, he was the guy from the mid eighties during the boom to 2017. So you're looking at what? 30 something years, 35 years. Oh. I'm going to go with 300. Okay. Mr. Scott, do you have a, do you have a figure in your head? I'm probably wrong, but no, 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 I mean, that's probably pretty good. I was thinking like anywhere from like 275 to 325, like something around there. So kind of encompassing what, what Sam's getting. I'm going to read this statement and we're going to see your guys' reaction to this. Uh Oh, all right. So this is relating to Mr. Jim Johnson here. Over the course of three decades, he composed and recorded entrance theme music for the for the promotions wrestlers, so WWE, and compilations of his music were released by WWE and charted highly in several countries over his tenure. Writing and recording mostly by himself, he wrote over 10,000 pieces of music, many of which are highly regarded as the wrestlers, as I don't know what the sentence is, as the wrestlers themselves. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. 10,000. 10, <laughs> so when I first said 300, I'm like, okay, now I'm lowballing myself because I had to think about like <laughs> the people who have come in and out for like a month that he wrote pieces for. That is true. And then I'm like, okay, maybe it's closer to six. And I'm like, we could be pushing a thousand, but it couldn't be any more than like 1,200. But 10,000. Jesus Christ. That's all. In Does later it- years, uh, in later years, he regularly collaborated with mainstream hip hop and rock musicians such as Motorhead, Disturbed, Kid Rock, Ice T, Run DMC, and Our Lady Peace for new music and different takes on in- existing entrance music. This guy, this guy did a lot, <laughs> a lot yeah. more. Uh, well, I, I, I kind of figured that because it, there's so many songs that pop into your head that were created by him. Where do we start? Like, I know we talked about <laughs> off mic. We were going to like pick our favorite, but you look at this and it's funny because the list I gave you, I thought it was a lot of random pieces of music. Ones that were may not, may not have been him, but now this makes sense. This list only, the list I gave only goes to 200. Yeah. So there's, yeah. Well, if, even if you look at like WWE's like Spotify, there's, there's so many albums with songs by him. So this, this man wrote, music for so, like wrestlers that probably even wrestlers that some of us don't even remember and i i had thought the same thing in my head sam i was like oh yeah i'll just i'll pick i'll pick one I, it'll be easy but no it's <laughs> you look at all the songs that he did and there's so many to choose from so, so as of 2017 and there's probably more this is way more albums there's 35 WWE albums 
that I'm seeing. There's way more. It keeps going. But I'm thinking if we're going 2017, maybe it leaks into 2018, 2019 stuff. He's probably on 40 albums since 1985. So many pieces of music. So, yeah, you got to think, like, where do you start from here? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of big songs that I, I think of off the top of my head. You know, we just had their 25 year reunion this past Monday on Raw, but Degeneration X yep. might be might be one of the more one of the most popular ones that Jim Johnson did. Other ones that probably pop into my head are, you know, he worked with Motorhead. So we know Triple H's theme, the game. Yep. Uh, probably King of Kings, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he 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 collaborated on that. Oh my God, like Kane, Kane's theme, The Undertaker's theme, uh, Jesus, Vince McMahon's theme, Brock Lesnar, like Shane McMahon's. One that popped out. I'm gonna bring this one up because this actually just passed. That I I didn't realize he he actually he collaborated with the talent involved, but the infamous uh we lie we cheat we steal you know the viva la yes. rasa theme eddie guerrero the los guerreros you know him and chavo that theme song that one when i th- again i think about when i was watching it when i was younger i mean eddie guerrero and this is not to knock chris benoit or anyone else again we only had smackdown we didn't have cable eddie guerrero was like a touchable on that card on that roster and I'm not just talking talent. That guy had charisma. That guy was like, uh, and we're talking, I think Brock Lesnar was still on SmackDown at this time. Brock and Kurt yeah. and, you know, John Cena hadn't even had a title by that point. You know, he he was so, uh, like, I just remember even being, a, for me, my first pop in regards to watching SmackDown back in the day, anytime the Viva La Rasa came on, he came on the Lowrider and he's hot, like that. You know, to me, that's probably the most memorable if we're talking about Jim Johnson um, songs. And I, I also thought of some obscure ones, too, that people might not necessarily remember. Like he like even like the wrestlers that you you kind of forget about now. But when they they come to your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, they were a thing like like people like Gene Snitsky. Yep. Like like Jim Johnson did his theme or like like Heidenreich. I was literally about to say Heidenreich. <laughs> or like D'Lo Brown or like those obscure wrestlers like that. What about Eugene? Oh yeah, Eugene's yeah, theme. Eugene. Yes. Oh he probably man. did he probably did that too. Ah oh, man, yeah, the, the music this guy created, it's just just as memorable as the stuff that was happening in the ring, you know, for you know, whatever it whatever it may be. I have some some obscure ones that I really I've always enjoyed, even even if it yeah. for the wrestlers it was just kind of weird. Uh, so one of them would be David Otunga's theme, "All About the Power." Um, if you just listen to like the first like twenty seconds of the song, it's like how do you not feel like energized? And it's funny that you know him appearing in in She Hulk. I, I, I part of me was just like, please just throw that song in there, just the background for like two seconds. I'll be completely happy. <laughs> but like like stuff like that. Um, another one, uh, this will, this one will actually go out to Mark. He'll be very excited about this, um, for Deuce and Domino. Uh, I'm all about cool. (laughs) It's such a, it's such a throwback song. And like, I still periodically listen to it from time to time just to be like, you know, this is just, yeah, it's just, it's good. It's just good shit. Um, but for me, like, honestly, like my, my personal favorite, the ones that he's ever done. And it's funny because this wrestler hated this theme, was King of My World 
Chris Jericho that he collaborated with Saliva. I love this song so oh. much. Uh, Andrew will attest to it because in Raw 2, that is my theme song. <laughs> um, Jericho used this, I believe, for two weeks. And then he said, I'm tired of this shit. I'm going back to break the walls. <laughs> those two weeks in the pay-per-view that this was on, I loved it. And I'm, and I'm just like, yep, I immediately downloaded it onto my phone. And I still I actually played this morning while I was showering. So I'm like, oh, perfect. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even that. There was one where, like, uh, when... Armageddon was still a pay-per-view like he did a theme he did a theme for them that I remember really well I think even carrying carrying cross used it at one point during his time in NXT there was one time it popped there was one time the song popped up during a a vignette of him and Scarlet and I was like oh that's the Armageddon thing oh the end the end is near yeah yeah that one yeah, because yeah. they also used it for the NWO for No Way Out. And just like, yeah, like that that song's been regurgitated so many times through WWE, but every single yeah. time it comes out, I'm like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah, and, this, you, you get excited thinking about it. It's one of the parts of wrestling that it's what gets it, us excited. It deserves yeah. the and it deserves the excitement, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can talk about, I mean, the ones that I can't, I mean, you know, the Stone Cold Stone Cold's iconic theme. Yep. You know, very simple. You hear the glass shatter, and yeah, even like Kurt Angle's theme, like yeah, which is like another this... one by Jim Johnson too. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think he's done the rocks. I'm just kind of like skimming through. It's hard. You type in Jim Johnson, and it's like he has created thousands <laughs> of people's theme songs over <laughs> thirty something years, and it's like okay, but which ones did he write? He has written a. <laughs> give me a give me a fucking list. There's too many. Um, no, you know he probably did the rocks theme. I'm assuming. Yeah, uh, and yep. there was on that list that you sent us. There were a few that were there were Rockies themes. But you got to remember yeah. a couple of these too. And as I'm looking through these, some of these on that list I gave you have these original songs that he did with the talent. So not theme songs, yeah. but um, I think W. Who the hell was like, it? Like was it the originals up- album where yes the talent sang songs? Just kind of like WWF the music back in yeah. the day. Yeah, like if you if you look on Spotify, like WWE has 14 different uh, of these uncaged albums. Uh, almost pretty much every theme on there, Jim Johnson, Jim Johnson, Jim Johnson. <laughs> okay, so that's probably a better. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna uncaged. Let me look. I'm kind of curious. There's 14 different uncaged albums. And are there Oops. older songs on there too? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's like I said, like wrestlers I had just forgotten about. Like trying to find some examples here. Okay, this is a better. This is a better uh, way to go about it. Like here's a bunch of di- like. Well, at the time, I'm just saying it just because it was for the time. A bunch of divas, he did like Stacy Keebler, Molly Holly, hmm. Ivory, like. And these are some good songs too. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't I think he really did bad music. Like, well, like, like Rob Van Dam, like yeah, Al Snow, like Ultimo Dragon. Even did more, you know, like we talk about recent ones. He did Spoken Mirror, Mirrors yeah. for Cody. Yeah. Yeah. The Boogeyman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did Lex Luger's Made in USA theme. Mr. Perfect. Yes. That, that's, uh, a real, that's a really good one. That's, that's like, that's that's pretty close to say. <laughs> yeah. To me, I, I think I said this to you guys. I don't, I don't remember who exactly I said. When I get married, that's the theme I need to walk out to at the reception. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. 
<laughs> if you know, you know. I want to be. I want to be your Bobby Heenan. Throw me the towel. <laughs> Behind the back towel. I'll catch it. Perfect. Noted. Oh man, yeah, just so many pieces of music. But definitely, it definitely makes it hard to choose. So I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping the people listening to this one send send ones because I'm sure there's some that we've missed. So if you want to chime in for your favorite uh, Jim Johnson song. Uh, definitely do so yeah i mean we could we could do an episode on non-jim johnson music too there's a lot of other pieces mm-hmm. of music especially during the um attitude era where vince was like ah new metal's the rage yeah everyone's gonna have a limp biscuit song mm-hmm. <laughs> or even like again the one that i almost made a mistake on even mentioning was um you know to me i think of when i think wrestling themes hulk hogan's always comes to mind real american yeah. Yep. By Rick Derringer. You know, that's yep. the one that when you talk about the wrestling pop, I would argue that Hulk Hogan's theme is like the uh, where the pop bur- got birthed. You know, how many times you go back and watch an old Hogan match or an old event and then Real American and the place like the building explodes, right. you know, yeah. bodies flung everywhere, you know, or um, we think about like old, you know, raw, you know, old TV themes. I remember back in the day and again, you know, John and I are the same age for me. When I think of the raw theme, I think of the union underground. Yep. Yep. Cross the nation. Like that was like, you were getting fucked up on Mondays watching raw with that theme. (laughs) I was staying up late on Mondays. Right. Try to sneak in, (laughs) try to sneak in wrestling time. So you don't yep. get caught and get told to go to bed. Yeah. 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 We weren't, uh, we weren't part of the gen. I, Scott, I don't know how was, was wrestling on Saturdays common when you were younger. Yes. Was, it was still yep. Saturday mornings. Yep. It was uh, WWF superstars uh, that played from like the eighties until like the, I think maybe early two thousands. And that's how I discovered wrestling. I was randomly, uh, I, I had one of those ginormous like televisions that you had to turn the, the, the dial the uhf uh, eight yeah uh, that I, i'd sit in i'd sit in my bedroom and, and i'd just switch and then all of a sudden i happened to turn upon WWF superstars in like 1990 and i'm just like what is this and i just sat back and i just watched it and after the hour was up i'm like uh, i need to watch this every morning every single saturday so every saturday i set an alarm when i used to sleep in and i'd get up and i'd watch i'd watch that nice. and yeah and that's just that's how it all started and it's, here I am today. How how different? And I know it's, we're 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 talking. Di- you know, you know, the product is different. But what, what? I couldn't imagine waking up and being like, "I'm going to watch wrestling first thing in the morning." Where I've had a long day, and I'm like, "Okay, here we go." <laughs> two hours of dynamite, two hours of raw. I'm oh, sorry, five hours of raw, two hours of SmackDown. <laughs> I can only uh, maybe it's different for a little kid. Maybe it's like watching um. Cartoons as a Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like WWF superstars was basically they would like recap the bigger events that happened in the past. You'd have maybe one, two, maybe three matches. A lot of them were like, you know, a a, a mid card superstar squashing somebody. You'd have um, the, the weekly jobbers that would come out like Barry Horowitz for me, the best jobber in the business. End of story. You could throw Brooklyn Brawl in there too, but Horowitz was just, he was, he was next level. Like I, I had tears of joy when he won his first match because <laughs> he was, he was, he was, um, well, what the hell is his name? He was Kurt Hawkins before Kurt Hawkins. Like he, he, he just, everything was a loss, but you always wanted him to win. 
And then he got that first victory. And I remember as a kid watching this going, oh, my God, he finally won. And then he gets destroyed for the next, like, six months. But it doesn't matter. He got that one. <laughs> so it, it, it was truly about the larger-than-life characters. You know, it just the, the overselling of everything. It was just it was a it was a crazy time as a kid in, in the 90s, early 90s, watching this stuff, like before the new generation showed up, you know, and then, you know, then you dived headfirst into the Attitude Era, and, you know, and DX and the Nation of Domination and, you know, and stuff like that. It's just like watching it as I was growing up was insane. Like I went through the the crazy period. For wrestling when you know dx was having women flash every show and as a growing kid i'm just like what is this <laughs> i have to watch That's this every single week <laughs> i need to watch this now yeah right, right. yeah <laughs> like, what is this? What? what's going on <laughs> yeah it was it was it was crazy just watching all that stuff growing up and, and now being an adult you know yeah you know, i'm getting close to 40 and i'm still like with the with the regime change i feel like i'm a kid again watching wwe product because triple h is just he's he's pulling all the right triggers and he's he's hitting all the marks that he that he's set and he's he said it himself he's been training for this for 10 years when okay. he finally retired from being full-time in the ring and he going into the coo position and moving up from there but yeah now the ball's in his hands uh, and, in, and in his court, and he's been hitting threes. So <laughs> I, I'm excited. The Steph Curry of professional wrestling. Exa- thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. I mean, exactly. I mean, like it, he hasn't missed a shot yet. He's just been doing everything's been so much better than it has been over the last couple of years. And I, I just hope it continues. I know eventually it's going to plateau again and something else is going to have to happen before it explodes again. But for now, I am riding that wave going up, enjoying it while while it's here. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget, next episode, it's Halloween. We're going to have a good time with that one. If you don't do so, please make sure you follow us on Twitter at Above the Ring. You can find me as Yes Will Be Official, Scott, Scotty J Stream, and John. John the Stat, at John the Stat Man. <laughs> that. Newly made. We'll, we'll put that in the link when we uh, share this. Uh, yep. You can find us on all streaming platforms as well as all social media sites. Okay. If there's something we're missing, let us know. We will add ourselves on there. On your streaming platform, please make sure you like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, tell people why Ship It Studios and Above the Ring is the podcast you're choosing and why they should listen to us as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's John, John J-O-N, the stat man. That way mm. people like to put the H in there. We get the H out over here. Yeah. Get the H out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, we should make we should make a promo of that or a photo photo. Get the H out. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for tolerating us. Don't forget to ship it. And as always, do not forget to join the Bedlam. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. 
It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.